Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to take a deep dive look into the Mandalorian Season 3 episode titled Guns for Hire. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Plus, Forest Ghost Conversations is now live on Patreon. If you are a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Forest Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. Okay, everyone, welcome back to another installment of Force Ghost Conversations, and this is going to be an interesting episode uh, for many reasons. One, because I think it's a it's a good episode, and I'm excited to talk about it, this, this Guns for Hire episode of The Mandalorian. Also, at the time of recording this, we are smack dab right in the middle of Star Wars Celebration, so if you've been following along with us on our social media feeds, you will know that we are also in the middle of CouchCon, yes, hashtag CouchCon, where we are doing all the fun stuff so on thursday we had an instagram live ask me anything which was live from gordon ramsay's fish and chips i've been up since 5 a.m every day to this point to be involved with the uh, the tweeting about the live stream and reacting to all that as live as i can um and of course we did our uh, youtube live streams friday and saturday and we'll do another one sunday night if you're inclined at the time of this release episode this the evening at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on our YouTube channel, Force Ghost Conversations. You can join us to talk about all the things that happened at Star Wars Celebration that day. Um, you can lend in your voice and do all the fun stuff in the chat there. And, of course, we'll be sharing some comments live uh, on the feed as well. Uh, we also had done two watch-alongs to this point with uh, The Mandalorian Chapter 1, The Mandalorian, and... Uh, Return of the Jedi for in celebration of its 40th anniversary, which took place on uh, uh, in conjunction with the 40th anniversary panel on Saturday at Star Wars Celebration. So those were all really fun things that uh, we've got going on here at Force Goes Conversations. And with that, you know, the brain is kind of overloaded at this point with Star Wars stuff. And unfortunately, the Mandalorian episode came out on Wednesday. <laughs> I watched it a few times. But when you're, you know, told that there's three new Star Wars movies, the Ahsoka trailer, um, all the High Republic stuff, it's just, it's a lot. There's a lot of Star Wars going on right now, and I'm just not complaining at all. I love it. This is incredible stuff, and I'm so thankful that we're a part of this universe here where we get to talk about all this great stuff that is happening right now. <laughs> so just forgive me if I miss out on any details here uh, for The Mandalorian. I didn't really take typical notes that I usually do for these type of conversations, but I have just, you know, general thoughts that I've got in my head here about the episode, some some topics I wanted to go over as, as we as we go into um, the, the grander discussion on the other side of this break here. But since it is Star Wars Celebration, of course, there's a lot of news that is being announced. And when 
this episode is released on Sunday, we're going to be still two days more of Star Wars Celebration that will be announcing all kinds of stuff. So what I'll do is I will do a recap podcast at some point next week where I just kind of lay out all the news that's been compiled over the course of the weekend in that episode. Okay, so won't do any Cloud City gossip in this particular episode of Forest Ghost Conversations. That will be on a later release probably next week sometime. So just be looking for that episode in your podcast feeds, again, available on all the podcast sites, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, you know, you know the drill. If we're on a pie, if it's a podcast site, we're probably on it at this point. Whew. So that's a lot there. So uh, be sure to catch up on all that stuff. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast, share with us with your friends, all that fun stuff. We'd love to continue to grow the seats around the proverbial campfire that is Forest Ghost Conversations. And, um, We've, we've had a lot of great positive feedback from Celebration thus far in regards to what we've done with CouchCon. And we've uh, been very fortunate to bring a lot of people into the fold here um, to engage in great Star Wars conversations and discussions over the last couple of days here. So very thankful for all that. Thankful for all the support that we've gotten from our friends and fans thus far uh, and hope to continue doing more stuff like this in the future. So thanks again for all that support. But... On the other side of this short break here, we'll be very, we'll be back very soon here with uh, our conversation on the Mandalorian chapter 22. Yes. Season three, episode six guns for hire. All right, everyone, welcome back to this installment of Forest Ghost Conversations. And yes, it is time to talk guns for hire. And this was an anticipated episode for the Mandalorian season three, because this is the episode directed by none other than Bryce Dallas Howard. Of course, the daughter uh, of famed Star Wars director at this point from Solo, a Star Wars story, but also a member of the Lucasfilm family in a variety of ways. Ron Howard. So Bryce Dallas Howard who is also a famous actor, her, actress in her own right. Uh, and she's done a lot of directing work for The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett to this point. Um, and uh, did she get announced for Ahsoka? Let me double check that here while I have my uh, notes on Celebration ready to go. She was not. Okay, so I just wanted to double check. I know she was announced for Skeleton Crew. That's it. I knew she, I knew she had one coming up here. Uh, in, in at least the next set of Star Wars stories that they're going to be doing on Disney Plus and the Mandoverse before they head to that culminating event that they announced at Star Wars Celebration. So she's definitely within the Star Wars family and Lucasfilm has really embraced her and her works to this point has been excellent, right? The Mandalorian, she did season one with um, the episode that introduced Cara Dune. Uh, season two was the episode that released... Uh, Bo-Katan, that, that brought Bo-Katan into the fold. And of course she did the Book of Boba Fett, which was, I believe, The Return of the Mandalorian, um, which, again, a wonderful episode. Very much the Mandalorian centered there in the Book of Boba Fett story, but it, it really moved forward that needle there and brought a lot of clarity to the Darksaber situation and saw some of the training montages that he was undergoing in order to kind of... Uh, how do I say this properly? I would say, like to become more acquainted with the dark saber and its history and its lore. And I think that episode did a great job explaining that overall. So this is definitely a highly anticipated episode for those in the fan base that are following who is directing these episodes, who's writing them, etc. And anytime that we're known that it's to Bryce Dallas Howard, that kind of gets circled on the page, so to speak. But this 
episode was frankly it was divisive on the internet oh that's that's thing that's pretty fair to say it works for some people it doesn't work for others and i think that's okay you're you're allowed to have things like that you're not gonna like every single episode in a in a eight episode season uh you're, you're gonna have ones that you're probably gonna go back to more than others and for some that's this may be that episode but for me frankly it worked I had a lot of fun watching this episode. It gave me this feeling of an episode of the week kind of thing. It moves the the the, the dial further, right? Especially that end sequence here. But, you know, there is a middle part there that you could probably say, like, I, I didn't see where this is going. I checked out and all that stuff. And there are also some other things that could probably check you out of this episode, too, depending on how you view certain things in the Star Wars galaxy. But, you know... At the end of the day, it worked for me, and that's what I'm going to continue talking about here. But I understand for those of you that it may not have worked, that's fine. So be it. You know, you're not going to like everything. That's kind of how it works in a, in a franchise. But that's why there are multiple stories and storytellers that we bring into the fold. And it allows something for everybody. And I think it's healthy knowing that you probably won't like everything exactly 100% in the Star Wars galaxy. And maybe if it does, then it works for you perfectly. But it's okay to know that... It, and frankly, it's going to be healthy again that it's if it doesn't necessarily work 100% for you, that it, it's okay to admit that and move on. <laughs> don't let it trash your day just because you don't like something. Uh, come back next week and there's probably a new episode that you may love. And it's and you. I think you'd prefer to have the storytellers feel comfortable that they could take swings or try a different avenue or a wacky adventure or something like that. Like, let them have the free reign to do the story that they want to tell and Frankly, this could be also a downside of the week-to-week episodic portion where this will dominate the conversation for a week and then next week there'll be another episode to come out and that will dominate the conversation for another week. Whereas if you know all eight episodes came out at once, perhaps that conversation is a bit more nuanced where they just move on to the next episode and it's forgotten, right? Usually those types of conversations don't don't last over the course so when when a a full season is released at once, then it, the whole season is judged as a whole. But when it's week to week, then each individual episode is critiqued and nuanced and you know, all that stuff. So I don't think necessarily the conversation that we're having now would, would happen if that were the case. But nonetheless, this is the, the, the situation we're in. Disney Plus loves releasing things week to week. I think it's a very smart strategy for them overall. Um, and that's where we're at right now. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, Chapter 22, Season 3, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, Guns for Hire, this is your time now to pause the episode, uh, go watch it on Disney+, Plus, and then come right back to this moment in time. You've been forewarned. This is your spoiler conversation here. And You know, I'm just going to kind of freewheel my thinking here. I may kind of go all over the place, so bear with me on that one again. As I noted in my preamble here, don't really have you know set notes that I have for the episode here. But I just wanted to talk about some of the things that that happened in the episode and why I like them. Um, and we can go from there as to where the conversation goes. So maybe this won't take the full like half hour that I usually do. Maybe it'll be a little shorter of an episode just because I have been doing a lot in terms of uh, my work with uh, Star Wars Celebration this week. And it's not a down slight to the episode at all. But we'll just kind of see where we're going with all this here. And the, frankly, where you have to start with all this is probably some of the big cameos in this episode. We got a lot of folks in this episode whether you like it or not so we have some returning characters and we have some new characters coming back into this fold here so going back to last week's episode the armor gave Bo-Katan kind of the the go-ahead 
if you will, to search the galaxy for other Mandalorian groups and to bring them under the banner of unity so that they can reclaim their homeland. With that, Bo-Katan and Din Djarin go to this planet that they're heading to here, which is Plazier 15, which is where they find that the stolen fleet, as well as the group of Mandalorians, particularly some of those that we saw in Season 2, Episode 4, uh, or Episode 3, sorry, when uh, Bo-Katan was originally introduced, uh, have gone. As we learned in Season 2, or at the at the beginning of Season 3, actually, my apologies there, that Bo-Katan's fleet that tried to go retake Mandalore here, they were ununified, and they were unbalanced, undisciplined, and they broke off when they found out that Bo-Katan didn't have the Darksaber. She didn't have the claim to it that evidently was needed, etc. They didn't believe in Bo-Katan as the leader, per se. They broke off. They're now mercenaries out in the galaxy. We saw in the beginning of the episode them hunting down this this uh, Romeo and Juliet love story here. They found a Mon Calamari uh, royal person out and about making uh, making uh, you know, companionship and, and love to uh, or not, not, not to say making love, but, uh, you know, in love with a Corrin. Uh, we can that's a whole nother conversation about their two cultures and why they've been constantly, uh, you know, pretty frequently at war with each other in their lifetimes. So uh, the fact that they're together is kind of symbolizes that Romeo Juliet aspect of their story, but they're, they're there. There's, you know, the mercenaries, they were hired to, to gather them. And that's their reintroduction back into the Mandoverse this time. So their leader is Axe Wobes, who's played by Simon Cassin, Cassianides, Cassianides. I hope I got that right. I'm so uh, sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, also part of that crew is Casca Reeves, who is played by Mercedes Varnado, uh, who's a famous wrestler in the WWE universe. Um, so I'm glad that they're both back in the fray because it's been a while since we've seen them. Uh, I believe we saw Casca Reeves in the season two finale of The Mandalorian. But Axe Wolves, we haven't seen that particular character for, for a hot minute here. And those groups, uh, this group of Mandalorians is literally hired as mercenaries or security protection, an army, if you will, by this planet here, Plazier 15. And that's because their ruler, elected ruler and also royal ruler, uh, they're ruled by Captain bon Bombardier and the Duchess, who are played by Captain Bombardier as Jack Black. And the Duchess is played by Lizzo. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. And they can't have a standing army because of Captain Bombardier's past being an Imperial op officer. So that's the you know the part of the amnesty plan that we saw earlier in this in the season. Um, they can't have a standing army, which you know it's problematic when you're trying to be a planet that's defending trying to defend themselves here but you know i guess they have to have some rules and maybe that's a shortcoming of the of the amnesty program maybe it is i don't know i they're i get that they're trying to demilitarize and stuff like that but they have to be able to protect themselves in some way and they found a loophole here with the the fact that they can have a armed 
military service that they that they hire, but they can't raise those troops themselves out of fear. I mean, that's a fear based decision, of course, but they, you know, they got to have some standards and rules and stipulations. This is really a complex thing here. And this is really what I think is a series is getting at so far is it's really hard to create a whole new government system out of almost nothing, especially when you've been at war for what, six, seven, eight years by the end of aftermath. Uh, and then a few years later that, I mean, you can't, and you got to have some sort of rehabilitation program. You got to have some laws in place. And where do you draw the line on having military out in the galaxy and raising an army? I don't know. These are hard questions. And I'm glad that, you know, spoiler alert, the Ahsoka trailer, I think is going to go into this a bit more. We're going to see Mon Mothma in that, in that story. And I'm glad that she's in it because we're going based off of what we see in Bloodline and the Aftermath trilogy about this New Republic era and really what leads into the creation of the First Order and particularly the demilitarization of the New Republic, which Leia's sounding the alarm. She's like, I, I see that there's military forces out in the unknown regions that are coming together, etc. We, sh- we got to take care of them and people don't want to be warmongers and all that stuff. And I get that. But it just goes to show you that these are nuanced conversations. These things are difficult. There's a lot of voices in the room. Democracy takes time. Democracy is complicated, but we got to support democracy nonetheless, because that's what people are doing to you know, have a voice in the room and, and popular opinion rules out and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I guess that's just what it's saying here is like these things are difficult. They're complicated. They're messy. And uh, it's hard to find a situation that necessarily works best for everybody against all of that. So at the end of the day, that's really what I think they're trying to say when it comes to all this here. But again, um, let me talk about another thing in this episode here that may have taken people out of it, frankly. I think that's where a lot of people saw, at least where I'm seeing on the discussions online to this point about this episode, is that sometimes cameos take people out of episodes especially when there's a lot of them. The one instance that I remember the most taking people a lot of out of, of stuff was when Game of Thrones was super popular. I believe it was season seven or so when Ed Sheeran has a cameo in one of the episodes. I believe it's with Arya. Um, and he sings a song and people... I just remember the internet conversations just being all over the place about that one. They either didn't mind it, or but I saw a lot of people just saying, like, this is horrible, it took me out of it. I, I can't watch you know this episode anymore. Or just I'm I'm taken out of the season. Some sometimes that just happens to people. Uh, and from what I'm seeing, this this episode had that similar instance for several folks. So Jack Black, of course, is Captain Bombardier. Uh, he's got a very bushy beard. He's hysterical, I think. Uh, Lizzo, famous musician. Uh, I believe this may be her first foray into acting, as far as I understand. I don't I don't know of anything else. I know she's a very popular Grammy Award winner. Um, I think she's a big fan of Star Wars. I've seen some uh, you know, posts that she's done online about uh, the about Grogu, at least. Uh, so I think she's definitely into Star Wars for sure. Um, I, I will say I'm not a fan of the music personally, but but I know it's, you know it's inspiration to a lot of people around the world. And they love her music, et cetera. So that's all fine and dandy. Uh, I didn't I didn't personally mind that she was in Star Wars. I think she's fine for the the role that she is she's in here. Um, but I mean, you could even say that about Casca Reeves, 
who is very famous and uh, her WWE uh, role, uh, you could say that same thing about that too, or even Bo-Katan being someone that was from, uh, you know, she was in Balsar Galactica and other things like that. So you could easily say, uh, you know, those things didn't necessarily take you out of it, but you know, I, to some people it did and that's fine. Also, there's another one, which is the kind of security person on, on uh, Palladier 15, which is commissioner Hellgate who is played by none other than Christopher Lloyd. Now, Christopher Lloyd, as you know, probably are well aware, is most famous for his role as Doc Brown in the uh, Back to the Future trilogy, as well as many other things over the course of his uh, pretty astounding acting career, if you ask me. But great to see him involved in the Star Wars fandom, finally. Um, it's been, I think, it's not a very well-kept secret that he was cast in The Mandalorian. I think that got out pretty soon. I think he confirmed it. Uh, via Twitter, but he probably wasn't supposed to, if you ask me. Uh, but he, he finally got back into the fold officially here, uh, and I loved seeing him in this episode here. But really what the nitty-gritty of the episode is all about here is finding out about the security issues within the Palladier 15. And... Basically, what is happening is they've repurposed a lot of battle droids and droids in general to support this community. People are loving them. They're they're very much a technologically based society where they rely on technology in order to get things that they need and, and to rely on that for completing their work. And these droids, frankly, love it. I love getting that world building of this droid bar, the resistor, where they're able to, you know, create friendships and, and recharge and get updates and all that stuff. I love the idea of that. Uh, it's so different. And and the, when the Mandalorian and, and Bo-Katan walk in there later in the episode, and they're almost greeted as like the droids are in Chalman's Cantina in episode four, that was a great switch on its head there where they're like, they almost felt like outsiders here and they're, you know, trying to play this, this good cop, bad cop routine in there to get more information on that, etc. I loved all that. But really at the heart of this episode is, okay, so there's some droids here that are taking, let's say they're not necessarily taking people out, but they're just some odd instances here where droids are attacking people or malfunctioning, etc. Um, because of something. And they don't know why, they don't know why the purposes of it, etc. is... Um, so that, that's what they're being tasked with finding out. And if they get that, then they will be able to get access to communicating with the um, Mandalorian private services that they've, you know, guns for hire that they've, that they've, you know, uh, paid for in this episode. Um, so th that's how they'll be able to get access to that and then continue to build this army that uh, Bo-Katan is trying to gather together here so they can eventually retake Mandalore. I, I like the detective aspect of this episode. It reminded me so much of Attack of the Clones, and I love seeing the droids back in the fold here. So to hear Matthew Wood's voice as some of those battle droids and to see super battle droids, and especially that one that breaks off from the group. Some of the great CG work that they did in that sequence was really astounding to me. Uh, I've never seen a battle droid move like that before, other than in like Star Wars Battlefront, uh, especially the 2005 Battlefront, um, Battlefront 2. So I thought that was really cool that, that this group was able to um, showcase this in such a way. 
And eventually what it comes down to is Commissioner Hellgate is actually behind all this. He was uh, utilizing a specific batch of that oil that they were getting at the resistor for certain droids that was uh, causing them to malfunction and fight against uh, the folks here. Um, and really, Commissioner Hellgate was trying to bring down, I guess, in a way, this society here because uh, they are working with the New Republic and he's a separatist to heart. And the fact that we got to hear uh, Count Dooku's name called in again to all of this. So it was really just a great thing. Um, so, of course, he gets taken down eventually because they get to the center of the plot here. Um, and uh, that's where it all goes down. He and the Bo-Katan and Din Djarin get access to this, this Mandalorian group, etc. But another thing that I wanted to bring up throughout the course of this episode that I noticed is why ben- Bo-Katan should be... Uh, in charge of this group, right? Because I think there's an argument that you can make about, well, Din should be leading them. And personally, I thought Bo-Katan in this episode really showcased her regality in terms of a person that that could do diplomatic things. And this was very much seen as a diplomatic endeavor here where they're doing something on behalf of a government for something in return, right? Um, she was compassionate towards droids, which is something that Din Djarin never was was doing. Like she sees them as being more than that. She understands their programming. She understands that maybe there's something more to that. There, she's personifying them in a way, and she's humanizing them by by going through this whole process here and being kind to them, etc. Not necessarily assuming malintent. Whereas Din Djarin is ready to start, you know, shooting around, popping popping. Uh, uh, his blaster out and and, and shooting uh, shooting up some of these droids here and, and really antagonizing them. So I I really showed it that you know we've come a long way with Din Djarin to this point in the Mandalorian in terms of how he reacts to droids, but he still has that hiccup in his brain where he almost took a step back in that development in this episode. If you if you take my meaning there, so in the, my mind this really showed why Bo-Katan is able to claim the mantle of a ruler more in my opinion. Um, I just felt like she had some more of those diplomatic qualities that gives her um, an ability that others maybe certainly uh, don't have that are, that are absolutely needed and necessary for someone who is enacting um, a, a ruler, if you will, of, of a whole planet and a community. So later, Bo-Katan is called into question by Axe Wolves, saying she's not a leader. She, you know, she's not the one that should be leading them. Uh, and Bo-Katan challenge him, challenges him to a one-on-one combat to really showcase her dominance and the fact that she can rule. I mean, this goes back to old Mandalorian culture ways. And through that, great martial arts sequence and all that stuff, great use of Mandalorian weaponry, she's able to defeat him which I thought was really well done and executed on behalf of the creators and all that stuff. I thought that was really well done, but he's still at the end of it. She's like, she doesn't have the dark saber, which they're still held up on, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, this, this culture uh, is still hung up on some minor details about that. Like how was the how the dark saber was received and all that stuff. Din Djarin finds a, a very, realistic and practical loophole in this about how he was defeated by uh that spider eye kind of thing that mechanical thing from uh episode two of the of the mandalorian season three that bo able to defeat and by proxy the dark saber is hers so that's where it's given to her at the end of the episode and it has this very climactic and triumphant 
her igniting the dark saber um, moment there, which I thought was really excellent and well executed across the board. And that gives her the credence and power in order to, in my mind, to bring in these groups into the fold here, gain the leadership uh, or not gain the, but the gain the numbers of these uh, guns for hire now and to bring them into this larger Mandalorian fold that we're bringing into as we head into the end of season three here. So that, those are all my thoughts that we had for this episode to this point. I want to know what you all thought of this episode. I know that we're coming in for Orlando pretty hard here with episodes seven and eight of The Mandalorian, which I think are going to be really astounding episodes. They're directed by Rick Famuyiwa who is also one of the executive producers. And thus far at Star Wars Celebration, they have been doing nothing but absolutely hyping up these, uh, or nothing short of hyping up these episodes, I should say, more accurately. I know some people that uh, were lucky enough to be in the Lucasfilm Showcase panel have actually seen the episode already, and they've been praising it to this point. Um, so maybe it comes out earlier, maybe it doesn't, maybe it comes out on Wednesday as typical. But I'm very much looking forward to that. And, and, and they've, been, they've been saying they're going to wrap up some of these storylines that have been going out into the Mandoverse thus far. So I'm curious to see how they do that. I'm intrigued to see how it all plays out together. Uh, but we're going to be here to talk about it all. So be sure to stay tuned to your podcast feeds next Sunday as we break down episode seven of The Mandalorian, whatever that is called. Uh, we're going to go deep into that episode for sure. But uh, until then, folks, I hope that you're able to follow along with us on our social media feeds as, of course, CouchCon continues for the next two days, um, at least Sunday and Monday. For those of you that are listening, uh, Sunday, uh, April 9th and Monday, April 10th, just to, you know, in case people listen to this years from now and they're like, well, is, is he doing something today? No. <laughs> Sunday, April 9th and uh, Monday, April 10th in 2023. That, of course, are the concluding dates of Star Wars Celebration. So, of course, we'll be doing our uh, Instagram, not Instagram, but we'll be doing some live tweeting on our, our Twitter page, Force Goes Pod, if you want to follow along with that conversation. And we'll also, on Sunday night at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, do our final YouTube live stream recap of celebration so be sure to join in there uh just search for force Ghost conversations on our youtube page so you can be a part of that conversation in the live chat um and of course we'll, we'll talk about all the announcements that have come out about the anything in the star wars lucasfilm galaxy throughout that day of star wars celebration so i hope that you've been enjoying celebration at home i know i certainly have it's been a blast uh to really create this camaraderie at home for those of us that aren't necessarily able to be in london right now um, but I hope that you're able to, uh, one way or another, partake in some of our activities that we're doing for CouchCon here. So hope you've been enjoying that. I know I've been having fun, um, and I hope to see you on our social media sites very soon. So until then, may the force be with you all. Take care.